Amen. Good morning, City Hill Church. Christine, lovely to have you back. Nice to see you. Um, it, is, it is really good to be here. Happy Easter to everyone. Uh, it is a significant day. And just before I get into it, I heard something this week. It was a, a, a preacher from the States talking about preaching and how exhausted he gets every time he preaches. And I was thinking about it. When we preach, after preaching, that you just get really tired. And, and one of the things that I recognize, and he says, is that when we're preaching, we're not just talking to people. We're talking to a realm that's beyond our eyes. There's a principality around. There's things against your life. So we're declaring a truth over you and over everything against you. And we're speaking life into your circumstance and your future. So this is more than just somebody standing up. It's not just a presentation. It is a declaration of truth. So we trust God, as has been prayed this morning, that there will be a protection over the word that the Word will transform lives. Um, I am going to keep this morning's message very short. And I'm sure all the new people are thinking, yay, that's wonderful. Let's hope he's honest. Uh, We are here to celebrate Easter, the day that sets Christianity apart from every other religion, the day that infuses power into all the claims of God, the day that justifies all of the prophets. They said a lot, they must have looked crazy, and then Jesus came, and all of a sudden all those prophets made sense. The day that gives us hope and makes eternal life possible, and so much more. Today symbolizes more than any of us at this stage understand. And I believe as we grow in Revelation, God will show us more and more. And some people think, you know, Tim, I've been a Christian for a long time. I need a new revelation. And I'm saying... This morning, I'm going back to the basic revelation that all of us need to hold on to, and that is the truth and the transforming power of the gospel, a gospel truth. So I'm not here to give you something new. Amen. That is worth a clap because the gospel is transforming our lives. It started transforming our lives. It's still transforming our lives, and it will transform many more lives. We don't need to hear something we've never heard before. We need to apply what we've already heard. So let's live in that truth. Um, So in Jesus' life, He made many very bold statements. Jesus claimed that he was from the very beginning. From the beginning, Jesus was there. That he and the Father are one. That he is God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. That he is the fulfillment of all that the prophets declared about him. That he is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And when people um, accused him, saying, look, do you say that you God? He didn't deny it, but he confirmed it. And with such bold claims saying that Jesus Christ is God, the people of the day, the religious leaders, the the government of the day, persecuted him for blasphemy, and they put him on the cross. And with all the prophets and other religious figures, when they were buried, they stayed that way. Except for Jesus Christ, because Jesus in his teaching said, if you kill me, then I will rise again in three days. And Jesus, being true to who he is, rose again in three days. Mark 9, verse 31. (laughs) Yes. God is more amazing than we understand. Mark 9, verse 31. For he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. Matthew 17, verse 22. After they gathered again in Galilee, Jesus told them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but on the third day he will rise, he'll be raised from the dead. And the disciples were filled with grief. 
Can you imagine what the disciples were going through? I mean, absolutely. I would be absolutely filled with grief. For a living man to perform miracles is wildly impressive. A living man, for a dead man to perform miracles is something else, right? And the point is, Jesus isn't just a good man. He is a God man. And that's the point he was trying to make. And in true God fashion, he rose from the dead, just like he said he would. And with him, and with us, all the faith of those that believe. Easter confirms that Jesus wasn't just another good man. He wasn't just another wise man. He wasn't just a prophet or a healer or a teacher or someone else. He is who he says he is. Jesus Christ is Lord. John 14 verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ is the doorway to heaven. He's the doorway to eternal life. He's the doorway from the things that hold us back. He's the thing that we go to and we lay down our lives. And when I say the thing, he's the person we go to. When, we, when we're struggling with something and we want freedom, we go to Jesus Christ. And through the cross, we find our freedom. After Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples had their eyes open. Jesus isn't just good. He's God. He is the I am. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is creation. He is creator in creation. And can you imagine these disciples, if you understand theology, they were a timid, fearful bunch. They went from insecure to invincible. I mean, they were bold, very, very confident. They went from mortal to immortal because through faith, I mean, in faith, to live as Christ and to die as gain. They went from doubting him to dying for him. When they saw Jesus, something happened in their lives, yet they couldn't deny it, and they were changed forever. For those of us in this room that have seen Jesus, our lives are forever changed, and we cannot deny it. How do we know Jesus lives? Because I've seen God work in me and in so many other people. Um, I've shared this before. The, Jesus said he's God. He died. He rose again. And, and people went from like saying, okay, it's just a good... So all of a sudden, their eyes were opened. And even Jesus' own brother was... You know, and I was thinking about it, and I've shared this before. I have a brother, and he's a good man. He's a godly man. And he preaches in his church. He lives in France. So we joke that he covers the northern hemisphere. I, I cover the southern hemisphere, and we've got it covered. Um, you know, he's a pretty good guy. But if my brother came to me and said, good news, buddy." I am God. <laughs> I think, okay, immediately I know some of a story that disqualifies him. Then I would think you need help, right? There's something wrong with you. I would never go and die to back up the claim that he is God if it was a lie. Yet Jesus' very own brother was willing to lay down his life and be tortured to back up the confirmation claim that Jesus Christ is my God. You would not die to back up a lie. There was a conviction there that came from heaven. So over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the gift of the cross. Jesus didn't just die and rise again to prove himself. He did it to open the door for us to have eternal life. That's massive. He did it to show us how to be in relationship with him. He did it to demonstrate his love. He did it to remove our shame. He did it so that we don't have to be slaves to sin. If you've got a sin issue in your life now, you don't have to be a slave because Jesus conquered that thing. And when we go to him, we find freedom. He did it to break the curse. The cross is not where the story ends. It's where our story begins. So if many people go through life, so many people go through life, and they never live 
They just exist through life and they never live. And Jesus said, I don't just come to give you life, I come to give you abundant life. May God today open our eyes, not just to live life and get through, not just to cope, but to conquer, to live abundant lives. As believers, we are immortal until our work here is complete, because beyond this life, we have eternal life. I want to share a scripture, John 10, verse 10. So this thing's all over. The the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. There is an enemy that is trying to rip your life apart, your future, your destiny, your your security, your, your identity. And Jesus comes and he stands in that gap and he says, they won't touch because they belong to me. And then he redeems us. He reclaims us for himself. And this morning I'm trusting that if you're here and you're hearing the gospel for the first time, your eyes will be radically opened and you'll be changed forever. If you are here and you've heard the gospel many times, you'll think, thank you, Jesus, for the transforming power of the gospel. Please, man, never, ever take it for granted. Years ago, I used to own a construction company, and we would renovate and build, and, and whenever we did work for people, we would, they would give us what we would call a progress payment. 50% deposit to start, and then progress payments. And people were always very comfortable with the deposit. You know, the deposit's no problem. Uh, They would pay the deposit, and then we would do some big builds. I mean, besides the building that we did, some of the renovations that we did were well over a million rand. And people would go, 50% deposit, no problem. Then progress payments as we went, and they would be no problem too. Yet anyone that has ever been in building or had building done on their house understands that you do not get the final payment until the completion of what's called a snag list, Right? That means a list of every finishing touch that needs to be perfect before final payment is made. And just like every snag list, if God was to look at our lives and make a snag list, a list of every flaw, what would that list look like? (laughs) Imagine God made a snag list of my life and said, come to church next Sunday, we're going to put it on the screen. I wouldn't be here. Right? You think the hinges on the door to our prayer room are rusty. The stove to my anger issues are overheating. The basement of sin is flooding. Off the topic, this is very off the topic. I put this in here. I remember when we did renovations on people's houses, the one person put in a brand new nine-plate smeg oven. Very expensive, very nice. We said, do not touch your appliances until we finished. While the electrician's busy putting his oven in, um, he decides to test if it's working. He didn't get shocked. All he did was melt all the plastic inside the oven, (laughs) including the manual. So he had to take that brand new one and get rid of it. Anyway, back to the snag list. Imagine a list of all our bad thoughts, every ungodly action or intention, every weakness or compromise you've ever had in your whole life, listed and recorded. Imagine that list. The scary thing is this. That list exists. Now the new people are like, we should have gone to that other church. God sees and accounts for every single sin, willful or ignorant, secret or public, big or small. Every sin. Sins you don't know you've committed, God sees. God has seen. It's been recorded. And think about this. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, had his arms stretched out. Through agonizing trauma, while a sinful soldier drove nails through his hands into a wooden bar before propping him up 
in humiliation and agony. Right? And Jesus, being God, he could have resisted. He could have fought. He could have refused. Yet as the soldiers hammered the nail through his hands, he held them open. The same hand that stilled the storm. The same hand that created Adam. The same hand that holds the heavens in place was being nailed to a cross. Yet he held them open. And the question is why? Why didn't God resist? Like I said last week, why didn't God in that moment just let light shine from his body, push them away, reduce his enemies to dust, and just rise up in glory? He had the power. Yet he didn't. Because in between the wood and his hands, let me fix this. There we go. Is it better? Because in between the wood and his hands, his hand, the wood, held by the nail, was a list of all of our sins. Every snag, everything we've done wrong, everything we've spoken wrong, every sin, every compromise, every fault, past, present, and future. And as his open hand was nailed to the cross, the blood ran down and over our list of sins. Right? It's huge. And as his blood flowed, it covered our sins. Colossians 2.14 says, Because we broke God's law, we owed a debt. The debt that listed all the rules we failed to follow. But God forgave us of that debt. He took it away and nailed it to the cross. And some people say, but hold on, Tim, but God remembers our sins no more. I'm fixing this thing. God remembers our sins no more. <laughs> no, I've really unfixed it. <laughs> I've opposite to fixed it. God does remember your sins. He knows every single one of them. But he chooses not to hold it against us. Why? Because Jesus paid for it on the cross. Jesus didn't go to the cross for nothing. He went to the cross to redeem you back into right relationship with him. And that includes me because I know how guilty I am before God. God didn't overlook sins. He didn't turn a blind eye. He took them upon himself. And through his sacrifice, he says to you that choose him, your debt is paid in full. Thank you, Jesus, for Easter. The hand of God remains open so that all who call on him can be forgiven and have eternal life. Jesus didn't get dragged to the cross kicking and screaming and fighting and resisting. He laid down his life. He died a traumatic death. He who knew no sin took on sin. He was buried in a tomb, yet he rose again. And the cross and the tomb are empty. We serve a living God. And Jesus, our Christ, he sits in glory with a scarred yet open hand, ready to rescue all of you and all of us and all of this community and all of the world that will say yes to Jesus. His scarred hand is open. Jesus rose again and with him, the faith of all those that choose to believe in him. I want us to listen to a song now, so I am done. And I want, to, I want you to understand this. On the cross, there is no man. Because he died and he rose again. Today, we are reminded this Easter, we serve a living God.